listening to Fintech in Focus, where our mission is to celebrate the talent and ideas that contribute to the global fintech industry. My name is Alyssa, and you're listening to this week's segment, Women in Fintech. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Colleen Yeager, who is the Chief Financial Officer of JAMA Software, a product development platform. Prior to JAMA, Colleen worked as the controller at Tripwire, accounting manager at Sabre Software, which was later acquired by Hewlett Packard, and as an auditor with PricewaterhouseCoopers. She earned an undergraduate degree in psychology and a master's in accounting. And outside of business and education, Colleen presented a TED Talk in 2018 about her experience parenting a transgender child. Hi, Colleen. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. I'm really interested to hear about your decision to earn a degree in psychology and how that brought you to where you're at in life and work today. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm happy to share about that. Um, you know, coming to psychology was really just an outcome of me just following my interest. I was the first person in my family to pursue um, any schooling after high school. Um, and so I, quite honestly, I had no idea what I wanted to do or what <laughs> I was supposed to do. Um, so I, psychology seemed interesting to me and I've always been someone who's interested in, you know, getting to, getting to know people and how their minds work. So mm-hmm. I followed that. Um, however, after getting a degree in psychology, you know, I did what most people do who have a psychology degree with no additional higher education. And I became someone's executive assistant because there's not much else you can do with that. Um, unless you pursue it further, I ended up working for a medical malpractice insurance company. And I worked for a woman executive there and a small part of my job was preparing profit and loss statements for customers that were coming up for renewal so that, mm-hmm. to help um, inform the pricing of the renewal. And um, it was really the only part of my job, aside from working with some, some really strong women that I really enjoyed. So, you know, I was still fairly young at the time with tons of flexibility. So I followed that hunch and took some night classes in accounting. And I found that I really connected with that subject after the company, our company had gone through a reorg shortly thereafter, and my position was eliminated. So I used the small severance that I got to help pay for um, getting a master's degree in accounting. That's So awesome. that was what led me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was um, not a path that I would have um, predicted for sure. <laughs> but um, I, you know, and looking back on it, I wouldn't have it any other way, quite honestly. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's always funny what, you know, pops up and, and is suddenly, you know, such a a wonderful interest in your life. I love that. Yeah. And it's a real lesson too, and just be kind of being open to the opportunities that present themselves and taking Mm -hmm. advantage of things um, when they present themselves. And again, and just, and I think, you know, this is, as I've, I've thought about talking with you today, this is a real theme that has kind of surfaced for me is just really following where your interests lie. Right. And mm. that's what, you know, that little 10% of my job that I did, I was like, huh, I really, this, I like this. How can I, how can I get more of this? How can I expand upon this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that. um, yeah, so I, I got that accounting degree and then, um, you know, leading the, the path here to, uh, to JAMA from there, I, I went in on and I worked in public accounting for, um, PricewaterhouseCoopers 
I didn't, you know, I spent about two and a half years there. So not quite as long as some folks do in public accounting. My schedule there was quite rigorous because, um, you know, I had well beyond the typical sort of January to April busy season that's typical for for um, those in public accounting because I had some right. specific interest in, in community work as well. So I did a lot of nonprofit audits and that had me busy kind of year round. So that was tough to sustain for much longer than two and a half, three years. Um, so I, I left that for something that was a, a little bit more sustainable in life and approaching the, uh, you know, thinking about um, having a family. And, and so I left public accounting and then went into industry and the industry I landed in was software. Awesome. And I'm going to switch topics for just a moment. And I'll swing it back around to business in a moment. But um, I mentioned earlier that you gave a TED talk in 2018 about your experience parenting a transgender child. And that's a big topic to cover. But would you be able to speak a little to the journey that you and your family had as your son discovered his identity? Yeah, for sure. It has. Yeah, I mean, that's another one of life's twists and turns that you never really (laughs) A mat see um, being a part of your life's journey, but it's also one that I'm so incredibly grateful for. I have just I've learned so much about um, true courageousness and and living your truth from my son's experience. Um, so for context, he's now um, t- eleven. He turn actually turns eleven in two months. Oh wow! But when he yeah yeah. <laughs> Definitely entering that defiant preteen um, <laughs> stage. I don't miss but that actually, we myself. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a, a whole parenting um, kids this age. Because my daughter, my daughter is fifteen, and my son mm-hmm. is turning eleven. So parenting at kids this age is a totally different uh, ball game than mm. than the littler. Just you know, it's it's all challenging and beautiful, but but the challenges are, are very different yeah. um, than they were the, when they were very little, but coming back to my son. So yeah, he was, you know, assigned female, um, at birth, you know, just based on how we do things, right. Mm-hmm. That's what his, that's what, how his body presented. Um, but starting at around the age of three, he started to give us very clear signs that we had it wrong. And, and it just came through the, you know, expression of not understanding why his body didn't display more like his father's Mm. a lot of just misunderstanding around why we referred to him as a girl and a lot of and and even a little bit before he could articulate that it was just honestly just quite a lot of angst and and anger and um that was not typical for a child of that age and and it really you know it started when we started when kids started being divided by mm-hmm. genders in, in the preschool setting and then in kindergarten. And so through, and if people want to hear more about this, I definitely would encourage them to go see the Ted talk, but, um, yeah, absolutely. You, yeah. But it, it has, um, yeah, like I said, it's just been something that has been an eye opener for me. It's given me an insight into a, a community that has struggled quite a mm-hmm. lot. And thankfully we're making some great strides um, these days with the record, you know, being able to recognize people for who they are, for who they tell us they are. And I'm really just so incredibly proud of my son and and to be his mother. It's, he's made me, I, I know that he has contributed to my being a more compassionate and empathetic leader in, in my day-to-day job. 
That's so wonderful. And for anyone of our listeners who is interested in watching that TED Talk, I'm going to include a link in the show notes. It's it's a great TED Talk. I watched the whole thing and I just it was very inspiring and inspirational. So um, I'll be I'll be sure to share that. And Colleen, circling back to business and and office life, um, how has your family's journey changed your perception of the way office life can and should, well, I suppose just change, or if there's any, what what steps can businesses take to embrace diversity at work? Yeah, so a couple things there. I think just on a personal level and thinking about, you know, how my son's journey has changed my perception of, of office life can and should change. I think you know, just as an individual, it's a great reminder that you just never know what someone's going through Mm -hmm. in their life. You know, my son went through this as a, as a young person for some people, um, speaking to the transgender community in particular, this change might not happen for them until they're an adult. And then at my level, I was dealing with a, you know, coming to work every day and dealing with a very difficult situation at home with my child, not understanding, the, you know, how he was being seen in the world differently than how he knew he was. And so right. that was, you know, I obviously had a lot of emotional challenges there trying to support him, not knowing in how to. So mm-hmm. just, you know, just remembering that you just don't know what people are going through and that we show up to work each day. And in many ways, we put these masks on in order to manage what's in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so just being reminded of the importance of checking in with people and, mm-hmm acknowledging their humanity and knowing that, you know, everyone's dealing with their unique struggle and offering support to their comfort level. Yeah. I think in terms of the steps that businesses can take to embrace diversity at work, I think that, you know, for one, we can look at the data and the data shows it over and over again, um, or the data shows over and over again that businesses that have a more diverse workforce are more successful. They're more Mm -hmm. profitable and their employees have more engaging experiences. So if you want to have a successful business, you should have initiatives in place to recruit and hire a diverse workforce. Secondly, I think, again, just coming back to this idea of seeing people as people, just as leaders, we should be encouraging others to see the humanity in one another by exemplifying that behavior ourselves. So Mm -hmm. we should be elevating the voices of our employees that are from underrepresented groups, Um, We should be connecting with them one-on-one. It really does just, in my mind, it comes back to just how we treat each other and how we learn from one another. Absolutely. Keeping those lines of communication open. Absolutely. Can you speak a little to your love of working in a growth-based company? Yeah. You know, I have found that I just, I love the pace Mm-hmm. I love the variety of issues that you're faced with. I love building something and then refining it as the company grows, right? Because what you built for a $2 million company won't work for a $50 million company. <laughs> um, so, you, <laughs> so you've got to keep refining it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I love that change. And I, I think that if you embrace it and if you, you know, you see change as opportunity and be willing to make some mistakes with humility, of course, um, that there's just, there's so much that you can learn about your industry and yourself. And that's certainly been true for me focusing, you know, again, sort of by accident um, Mm -hmm. in this, this growth-based industry or company. It's just been, it's been tons of fun. 
That's awesome. And on a broader scale, what evolutions have you seen in the fintech industry? Or I suppose also in like a software, financial software industry? Yeah, I think, well, for a couple of things come to mind. One is everything is SaaS now. Um, <laughs> that wasn't true when I entered this industry. I won't say how long ago because that will make me seem really old. But um, <laughs> yeah, everything is SaaS now. Back when I entered into to this world, um, it was primarily software um, and technology was a, sold on a perpetual basis with MS streams of revenue. So everything's SaaS and everything's integrated. And I think the other thing, which I see as a, obviously as a huge positive is that I'm seeing a lot more women in my field. Mm. Oh yeah. I mean, I remember it comes as such a relief because I, I just remember very early in my career, you know, I just didn't see many women in financial leadership roles in the fintech industry. And right. that, you know, I, that led to me, I had this irrational fear that is the minute I turned 40, I was just going to be cast aside and I wouldn't have any relevance because I didn't see any leaders mm-hmm. um, that looked like me that were women. So, you know, I'm just really, really relieved to see that, that evolution. Absolutely. And I always love to include questions about influencers in our guests' lives and in their work. Who influenced the way that you practice leadership today? I would say there's there are two people that come to mind for me. The first is a woman named Joyce Boss. Um, she's actually a CFO at another software company here in Portland. And she was my boss when I worked at uh, Tripwire many years ago. And she just really taught me how to gently push others. She taught me a lot about how to laugh, even in the face of stress and pressure. And we had a lot of that at the, during the time that I was at Tripwire because we were getting ready to go public and it was, yeah, lots of stress and pressure, but we managed <laughs> to have fun through it. And she taught me a lot just about what it is to be an effective finance leader by being a good partner, you know, mm-hmm. not, through, not through being forceful, but by being a good partner. So I really, really have valued, I really, really valued her leadership. And now I value her friendship because we're very close friends now. Um, The other person, yeah, she's awesome. Mm -hmm. I would definitely recommend that you talk to her too. (laughs) The other person I I think a lot about is actually someone who showed me how I didn't want to be. Mm -hmm. And this was a person who, you know, on paper was extremely successful but their methods for how they got to that success was, you know, through being more adversarial rather mm-hmm. than, you know, building relationships and trust with others. And they just didn't place a lot of value on, on understanding others and understanding their perspectives. And so, again, while there was, you know, th- this person definitely drove to some successful outcomes, but the road there, there was, you know, quite a wake left in the, in the path and, uh, and I just knew that that wasn't, you know, that if I ever felt like that was my only option to lead through something that mm-hmm. um, it probably that wouldn't be the right place for me. I just, I, I definitely value building relationships and establishing trust with my peers in order to solve problems. So yeah, both. Yeah. Um, and I think both of those people kind of embodied that message for me, you know, two sides of the same coin. Yeah, I do think, you know, it really kind of, it it gives me pause to think, you know, 
like you can leave such a positive impact on someone, but there is also the possibility that you could leave a negative impact. So it's being mindful of, yeah, of the, the path that you're leaving behind you. Absolutely. Absolutely. What are you, what accomplishments are you most proud of in your professional career? I would say maybe, I don't know how others have answered this question, Alyssa, but I think that, um, you know, maybe some people would think of some bullet points and things that they put on their resumes of debt, debt that they've raised or equity rounds that they've led. But I think the thing that I'm the most proud of in my career is, you know, that I'm a, I'm a business savvy numbers minded person, but I see people as people first, mm-hmm. not just numbers on a page. And I think that, you know, I do a reasonably good job of balancing the needs of the business while still recognizing people's humanity. My goal, you know, is always for my team and for my colleagues to know that I value them as humans first. And yeah, I think that that's the, you know, it's not a, for me, it's not about a specific achievement necessarily that I would highlight on the top of my resume as it is about balancing, you know, driving towards successful business outcomes, but doing so while making sure that the people in my circle have positive experiences and feel valued. I love that. I think, you know, it's so important to not just pay close attention to numbers, but to experiences and in, you know, in everything that you do, not just even in career. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Very true statement. Yeah. Not just in your career everywhere. And finally, uh, what advice do you have for women who are in school uh, and are interested uh, or not even in school, just women who are interested in joining this industry? I struggle with this one a little bit too, because I had (laughs) never had a very clear plan for myself. Um, (laughs) I know I'm a, I'm a terrible mentor. (laughs) I know, but I mean, I don't think the lesson is necessarily don't have a plan. I wouldn't say that, but I would, but I would say, you know, follow your interest and, Mm. um, you know, hold it. Like, I think the things that led me to where I got to was I followed my interest. I maintained a strong work ethic. And I worked hard to ensure that my work product, whatever that may be, you know, whatever areas I was responsible for, was just something that I could sit back and feel proud of. Um, so I think if the, if you do those things, the work will speak for itself. Mm. And, um, you know, so that I think that's probably what I would say is, is go where you're interested. Don't be afraid to take some risks, make adjustments when something doesn't feel quite right. Trust yourself. And, and maybe I would, I would add to that, advocate for yourself, be Mm -hmm. your own best advocate. You know, you, you have to be the driver. So it isn't enough to just follow your interests. When I say follow you your interest, I also mean advocating for yourself along the way, because people won't just hand it to you. It won't come to you in a silver platter in your lap. You've, you've got to be the driver but as long as you're driving towards something that is meaningful to you, if it's and it meaningful can mean many things, right? That can mean something that is having a meaningful impact to your community to something that's just very stimulating to your mind, which was the case for me with accounting. And, and yeah, so following that and advocating for yourself along the way. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Fintech in Focus. If you'd like to email us any questions or comments, please do so at podcast at envoicepay.com. That's podcast at N-V-O-I-C-E-P-A-Y dot com. Fintech in Focus is a bi-monthly show and is available wherever you listen to your podcasts.